0: and welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV for the first day of Level 3, the 28th of April 2020. I'm Head of Research, Nick Goodall, and I'm joined by our Senior Property Economist, Calvin Davidson, down in Christchurch. Calvin, how are you, mate? Do you have a hankering for any specific takeaways, or uh, business as usual for Level 3? Uh, Yeah, very good,
1: very good, thanks, yeah, and um, no, nothing... I wouldn't say I'm desperate for any particular type of takeaway. Um, we've been eating pretty well at, at home, I'd have to say. But yeah, I, I did have a, a takeaway coffee this morning, which went went down extremely well. And also, um, I, I probably I'm, I'm hang, hanging out for a little bit of fish and chips sometimes. Probably my preference, but um, but no rush. We'll, we'll get there. And, and I'm, I don't want I, I want to first see, I guess, what the queues are like. That'll be the first thing. Um, but yeah going well how about you are you uh going to satisfy that kfc urge today
0: not today not today i think yeah we're you know I'm, I'm happy i'll be able to get it again and there's a few other cool restaurants you know italian and uh, malaysian restaurants i'm keen to get to in wellington but um like you say, happy to wait, wait and see how the queues pound now, what the time's like, and and yeah, but nice to have the option as opposed to just knowing that you've got to have to cook something in the house and drag something out of that freezer some night. So you're good to have the option, but I won't be rushing into there. We'll let that to the to the real keen beans out there. Um hey, before we get into usual and everything, COVID 19. Related. I just wanted to mention our quarterly economic and property market update, which we did publish last week. Um, you know, I'd say it's arguably the most comprehensive report covering everything to do with the property market, and and it really is the perfect reference document or even educational tool um, for anyone connected to the property market. And of course, it's free. So just want to let everyone know to head along to the website and download it. Calvin, um, of course, the content pretty much full, fully predates COVID nineteen world. Um, that we're in now. But when you were writing it, I wondered, you know, what are the two couple of key insights maybe you pulled out worth noting?
1: Yeah, the, the two things for me, really, I, I guess, and, and it obviously it does predate the, the lockdown, but really just this, the strong position the market was in. It was, it was quite striking to look through the stats and uh, unemployment very low and we were seeing lending volumes pick up. We are seeing sales volumes pick up, prices were rising. So actually, probably when you're in that market at the time, didn't kind of realise perhaps how, how strong the upturn was. And um, it's kind of academic now, of course, but that, that was something I did take out of it. The momentum was there. And um, I suppose at some point, once we get to some kind of normality, you know, maybe that, that kind of momentum can return. Um, a long way down the track now, probably. Second thing, and we, we have talked about it before, but just the, the strength of, those mum and dad investors around the country, so the smaller, smaller players, you know, perhaps seeing term deposit rates fall and thinking, how can I put my money to work in a better way, and and looking at property, and so those those people with say one or two rentals are really coming back into the market strongly. So that that was that was another point I picked up. Unfortunately, that probably now creates perhaps a bit more vulnerability because some of these investors you know, are smaller players, perhaps slightly bigger mortgages, a bit less experience perhaps, and so, you know, now it could be a bit more vulnerable. So unfortunately, that was providing momentum prior to lockdown, could now be a little bit of a fault line post-lockdown. Um, so those were the two things, but um, yeah, get in there and read it and, and see for yourself.
0: Yeah, I think that's the couple that's kind of the key things, especially when you're looking at the different performance around the regions. You know, we've got to remember that some areas had, little growth going into this and some will still had exceptional growth above the you know 15 20 percent as well and that's going to hold them in good stead as we start to move through a definite period of weakness um, but the, the question is going to be there might be some level of still there's some level of demand in these areas that we still see prices hold up in some places. But of course, there's going to be areas more affected than that. And we will look to do, look to dive into that data in a bit more detail over the coming weeks as well, as we try and understand the performance region by region. And especially, like you say, investor activity. We did our, our survey. We've got those results that we'll be publishing soon um, on the investors. And many of them were experienced investors. And they didn't look too too worried about things. But of course, those new investors to the market um, maybe a little bit nervous, unsure, and been through these things, and that's another one of our factors we're kind of looking at for for vulnerability in each of the re- regions as well. So more to come on that, but I think you're right; those are the those are the really key things as we were leading into to this period of, of crazy times. So, um, well, let's kick into the coronavirus COVID nineteen stuff. What's happened the last week? I think you know, last week we're obviously um, pretty confident of level three enabling safe real estate transactions. It does does sound actually like it wasn't quite that straightforward as we thought. Um, Common sense has prevailed. We have seen since then that um, real estate can now be transacted, but there was a day or two there where there was some uncertainty. So as long as those strict hygiene practices are followed, of course, Um, And I have to say, well done to all those involved. And it looks like Ryan's were, of course, at the forefront working with the government on that one. So obviously, good to see that result come through, that real estate can be transacted. Wasn't quite as straightforward as we thought. So good to see end result there. And, And of course, now that we are going to start seeing some transactions happening in the market, our early market indicators report, which we spoke about last week and you've written an article about, is really going to come into its own in terms of understanding <clears throat> Excuse me. What transactions are going to happen, and how um, demand and um, supply might look in terms of listings as we as we move out and down through the levels? So, really, really interested in that one. I did look yesterday at the data. Um, last day of lockdown, we did note an eleven percent lift in appraisals generated compared to the prior week. So we have seen a little bit of momentum as we've come out of level four. Um, and really interested to see how this one pans out. And level three is agents start to actually, you know, maybe proactive, proactively get in contact with those prospective vendors. Um, and if you look at the valuations as well, run by banks, it has actually plateaued, but still at a higher level than the last couple of weeks. And that probably was impacted by um, a long, longer weekend, holiday weekend as well, where obviously people don't do as much through their banks. So, and and it is worth noting for anyone that does does go and download that report. Um, the year-on-year comparisons that you'll see right now, if you're looking at what happened this week compared to the same week last year, are being impacted by what was a bit of a super holiday um, season or super holiday couple of weeks this time last year, where Easter was really close to Anzac Day. And so a lot of people took the opportunity to take their final decent break for the summer uh, with the good weather. Um, and obviously, you know, take a couple of days leave and have a long period of time off. So I mean, there wasn't much activity happening in the market. So what we're looking at right now, not so much the year-on-year. Year. That was good to see how much things dropped at the start. Now we're really focusing on those daily and, and weekly movements. Um, I'll continue my spiel. I seem to be on a bit of a roll at the moment. Um, and, and look, but I have to, have to give ourselves a little pat on the back. We had a bit of a Nostradamus effort last week where you know, we were speculating about the loan-to-value ratio restrictions um, being a lever that the Reserve Bank might look to pull or to change. Um, and literally the next day of course on Tuesday last week we got the announcement about their, their proposal to temporarily remove those limits altogether and today we of course will get confirmation one way or the other well um, whether they will actually take those off for the next year so we think it's pretty likely to happen they've put this out short seven day period of con- consultation um, and just wondered you know there's been a Bit of chat about it, I've read a few things on um, different websites, what your take on it is and you know, do you think it'll have much of an impact on the market if they do um, lift these lift these RBR restrictions?
1: Yeah, I've just looked, uh, so first I've just looked on the RBNZ website right now and there's nothing about it fresh off the press this morning, so I guess consultation has ended and and, and they'll take it. However long they need to, to process that and and come up with a final decision, as you said, I think it's I'd be I'd be shocked if it didn't go through. I, I can't see really why anybody would be objecting. But um, so it looks like it'll happen. I think my take on it, yeah, it's 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 going to be good for some. Of course, uh, there'll be some people out there who perhaps have seen their deposit shrunk by you know, falls in the markets. Their KiwiSaver funds have gone down, and you know maybe now just slightly underneath the previous deposit requirements. So removing those will, will help some people for sure get, get into the market that they might not have otherwise been able to. But as a as a broad sort of game changer, I don't think it'll really do that because for for a start the banks weren't really testing the speed limits anyway. They would they were acting cautiously and and potentially already turning away some people who who were on the margins of those deposit requirements and and you know not really pushing the limits as it was. Um, and so they're going to stay pretty cautious afterwards anyway without these rules particularly around the income and expense testing still going to be looking at especially what you're spending but also what your job security is like so so even if you have the deposit um, there's going to be a lot of other other tests for you to to jump through with with income and expense testing and actually Glenn Stevenson mentioned that on the previous edition of the podcast that you know this isn't going to be a sort of free-for-all. There's still going to be a lot of checks that people have to, to go through uh, from the banking side and also from the borrower's side. If you're, if you're feeling a bit uncertain yourself, um, you look at the Reserve Bank and, and they've taken away those deposit rules, well, does it really change your behaviour? might do, but if you're feeling uncertain, you're probably just going to be a bit cautious and, and make sure that you're really secure. So I don't think it'll change the game. It'll help some people on the margins, but um, and, and it's a useful thing to do. I think it's, it's a good thing the Reserve Bank's proposing, but, but may not change things massively. Yeah,
0: you no, know, I agree. And I think that's going to be the key point. You know, the world, when these were brought in, in 2013, was very different. There's been a big change in the banking industry since then. Of course, in Australia, they've had the Royal Commission. The banks have tightened up their standards. You know, the serviceability tests, the income checks, the expense checks now are so, so different, and those aren't going to change. So, you know, there might be some improvements around the margins for people that, Didn't quite have the largest deposit before or the the big enough deposit that now can get in because they're they're just below that, like you say, because of KiwiSaver or or some other reason. But as long as they've still got that solid income coming in, the banks might do that check on that income to be sure that they're in an industry that's not going to be impacted. Um, And otherwise, they'll let them through as long as they can afford those payments. But with interest rates so low, you know, serviceability is pretty accessible, is pretty good right now. And so they're just trying to take away that stumbling block of that that um, deposit requirement if that's just going to slow or reduce the amount of demand, but to good borrowers. And I think that's the key, is that you know, the banks will be fighting over those good borrowers, those ones with solid incomes, can keep those payments going, may not have the deposit required, but what's the real impact of that if your payments are going to be reduced in over 30-year period, which you're going to you know, be working for their whole period, it's, it's going to be relatively okay. and. I just wanted to clarify a few points. There was obviously there's always stuff written about all these things when they come out, and there was some chat about why the Reserve Bank brought these in um, in 2013. And I think it's clear that yes, of course, you know, partly they thought it would reduce demand, and that would have some downward effect on prices. Didn't really happen too much, but overall, the reason for that was that they wanted to slow down prices for the purpose of improving our financial stability. Right from the start, they said that. Right from the start. clarity. If a downturn happened, if we've got too many people with a low deposit, that's going to put our system at risk both our banking and our economic and financial system. And so we want to shore up that base. And that's certainly what's happened for a long period of time. And it's worth noting that, you know, we didn't see much of a downturn at the start of 2019, like parts of Australia did probably because of all these prudent measures that have been in place for so long, since 2013, while we saw Sydney and Melbourne prices drop considerable way, we didn't see that happen in New Zealand and part of that was because our lending practices have been um, a bit more prudent and stringent over that period of time. Other factors as well, don't get me wrong, but it's worth noting that, that you know, we could probably give credit to the LVRs that we didn't see a significant drop away last year, only a flattening or minor drop in places like Auckland. So, got to give credit where it's due and I think that's, that's got to be down to that those sensible measures put in place in 2013. Another part of that was, you know, that it, it took away the first home buyer market and especially places like Auckland were impacted and um, that's simply not true either. And, and you know it's, it's, it's really fresh in my mind because we we created the buyer classification series in 2013 because the LVR limits were proposed and everyone said it's going to kill the first home buyer market yet no one measured the first home buyer market and we went through that exercise using the LINZ title transaction data to classify every single purchase in the market to a first home buyer multiple property owner someone that moved house um, a re-entry into the market you know cash buyers we could look at all this stuff and what we found was yes first home buyers did see a, a hit to their activity the share of sales going to first home buyers nationwide dropped from about 22 23 percent to 1920 so it was a two or three percent drop nationwide and it was similar across most of the main centers including in auckland but what we've seen in the intervening years since 2014 has been a gradual increase in first home buyer presence once again. And as we've noted in the presentations we've done and, and the stuff we've put out there, there's a good reason for that. First home buyers have adjusted their expectations in the market. They've been able to withdraw an increasing KiwiSaver funds. And they have at times used the bank of Mum and Dad to help them out with that deposit too. So while of course it creates this extra stumbling block, those first-home buyers who want to get in the market, looking long term, probably got good income. You know, they find a way to get their deposit or adjust their expectations to, reg- to make sure the deposit requirement is as low as possible so they can get into the market and buy that first home to ensure they're paying a mortgage rather than, rather than rent. So you know, I just wanted to clarify a few of those points in case people did see some of the um, information out there. Um, and that's certainly, you know, that's certainly our take on it. And I did speak to um, a journalist uh, on Friday about it so that some of that stuff might be published this week too. Almost sort of ties in with maybe a bit of a rant of the week there, me going off like that. But um, yeah, that's that's probably me just reinforcing some of the points you made there. I want to touch on um, a few other bits of macro data then, Calvin. Uh, We did get inflation data out. And I know, again, this is pre-COVID stuff. And also some credit card spending data as well. So from your perspective, what insights did you get from those? Uh, So the inflation figures... Well, again,
1: pre pre coronavirus, but the inflation figures are actually pretty pretty solid. That, well, if you can say that a bit, of inflation building the economy. But of course, again, things have changed, and you know we've seen things like petrol prices fall, and probably a range of other things when when the market's open I guess the Fears will be, be under some downwards pressure too so you know the world's changed and inflation's now going to fall away pretty sharply the I, I suppose the thing that might come on to people's people's minds now is deflation which is um, just as damaging as as inflation really if, if you see prices falling as a consumer you you think well I'm not going to spend because I might get that that good or service cheaper in a week's time or a month's time. And that just reinforces the the downward spiral for, for activity and brings forward more deflation. And so you know, central banks and governments are just as keen to avoid deflation as, as they are inflation. So so really that'll be the thing that, that we may start to be watching for in the CPI figures as we as we go through the rest of the year. But pre-coronavirus at least they they were they were pretty high and rising, but now now, as I say, deflation will come onto the agenda potentially. As for credit card spending, again, weak, weak. Uh, so and, and this, so that these figures related to, to March, um, so a, a period that was really starting to be affected by coronavirus and, of course, with the working days lost at the end of the month due to lockdown. So it was the biggest fall on record in, in these, these figures published by the Reserve Bank. They were down 9% month on month, which is pretty weak um over the, the spending on overseas issued cards was down 22 so a big fall in in spending by people with an overseas issued card in new zealand i.e., tourists um so yeah really weak figures and that was that was a period obviously affected by coronavirus but it wasn't full lockdown so when we get these when we get the next figures for, for april they're going to be um, i'd say shockingly shockingly weak would be the would be the statement so um, Yeah, another one to watch in two or three weeks when we get the next set of figures.
0: It's a good data to get, but obviously not as real time as we'd sort of hope to understand. Because what I want to know is what are people doing in Level 3? And once we get to Level 2, how much are people getting out there and spending as well as a sign of the health of our economy and the, the recovery as we go out of this. But it sounds like what they release two or three weeks after the month is finished
1: yeah, yeah, and um, this is the problem with, with all economic stats, of course, is that there's a lag in the in the system, and, and so, yeah, we, we may have moved into level two by the time we actually get the stats on level three or four, and um, you know, so then people probably care a little bit less than they might have, but yeah, that's where our, you know, obviously our early indicators, things like that, the real-time stats start to become much more important, and, and probably um, there's some other economic figures out there that people are monitoring too. So you know, power generation, these sorts of real-time figures that show us what's going on with the economy. And, and probably now, as we get into the early stages of recovery, that's that's what people should be looking at.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, those yeah, faster-moving measurements of, I suppose, consumer behaviour, isn't it? So, yeah, you know, all good. Um, we'll move into what's coming up then. Probably get close to wrapping us up for today. I know this week we've got mortgage lending data, so again, older data. And then uh, foreign buyer stats too, which are always quite interesting um, despite the foreign buyer ban. And and on that, I suppose I did wonder, and I've seen it floated elsewhere, whether it's something the government might consider relaxing in terms of the foreign buyer ban if we're concerned about demand for property. One source of demand or potential demand is, of course, overseas. But I do wonder if it just might be a little bit more difficult for the government to reverse that decision, um, unlike Reserve Bank removing the, the LVR limits temporarily. So I'm not so sure it will happen. Um, but from those two perspectives, you'll pre-brief on that, on that data anyway?
1: Yeah, the, the mortgage lending stats, as you said, will be, um, yeah, well, again, the, all these things are, are predating coronavirus. I, I'd expect the mortgage lending stats will still be pretty decent for March. The, obviously, we lost a few working days at the end of the month, so they'll probably be starting to show a bit of a turn, and then, then we get into April, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be very weak. Um, but yeah, the foreign the, the sort of foreign buying and trading stats in the New Zealand property market that they they were high, they were or they were net positive. So you, you saw, saw more buying by people without citizenship or residency leading up to the, the ban in October 18. Since then it took a quarter or two to to flow through the system. But since then it's actually been the case that, that people without so what we're talking about here by foreign trading, it's people without citizenship or residency. Since that ban, those figures have actually gone negative in net terms, so there's been more selling by people without citizenship or residency than properties bought, so that, that their ownership has actually started to go down. So the government will look at that and say, yep, our, what we intended that policy to do has, has worked, and um, yeah, we have clamped down on that part of the market. Whether it's Actually, made a difference to the market or, or kept prices lower than they otherwise might have been, is is another question. But certainly, it has clamped down on that trading activity. And you would think, at the margins, it's it's created some opportunities for for local buyers that otherwise wouldn't have existed. But yeah, it's it's a, a there is a, a bigger question out there around whether it's it's really changed the market too much. Um, but as for whether they whether they might consider relaxing it, yeah, I agree. It's it's going to be it's going to be much tougher and, and politically um, perhaps not as as um, sort of palatable uh, and they, they may have other priorities to, to be thinking about anyway. So, so yeah, those figures are out on Friday anyway and see what they say. I'd imagine that they'll still be showing foreign people are, are selling more than they're buying and, um, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be of interest but, you know, wouldn't pay or wouldn't get too excited about it.
0: Yeah, no, fair play. And then, from our perspective, um, we do have those results from the investor survey we 'll be releasing later this week, and as I talked about earlier, we are looking at that region by region, understanding both economically and vulnerability, and then what it might look like um, coming out the other side too so we're working on that up the next couple of weeks so those are the few things we we 're looking into the other thing I thought with we mentioning just this morning so a notice pop up from the Westpac, Westpac economics team from Dominic Stevens there talking about they are picking a negative official cash rate OCR by the end of the year. So that'll be one to watch out for. It's obviously just come through this morning, so a bit of detail to work through. But in the same breath, their, their email talked about, you know, there's still a lot more, um, you know, fiscal support, monetary support to come from the, the government, um, including at the May monetary policy statement from the Reserve Bank, and then the May budget from the government as well. So we're moving into May now, and those are a couple of big things to to look out for, as well as, yeah, whether whether uh, many other economists are going to agree with where the official cash rate might go and we could see negative. I know that previously the Reserve Bank Governor Adrian Orr has sort of reluctant, has not really wanted to talk about um, the option of that, but hasn't ruled it out from the stuff I've seen. Um, so potentially could be something to look out for in the future too. Um, <clears throat> anything else before I wrap up, Calvin? from your perspective?
1: Oh, just an anecdote, a thing about the construction industry. We we're, were chatting Prior to the podcast about about general business, and um, just mentioned, I, I went out went out on a quick walk this morning, and there's, there's a new subdivision going in next to where we live, and gee, it was uh, it was all go. The builders were out and and back on site, so it you know, looks like construction is 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 yeah really picking up, and you know back on the back on the tools. It was interesting though, um, you know the way the new ways they'll have to work. You know you can see big big tubs of hand sanitizer and uh, clearly procedures for how you're supposed to access site and, and how you keep your, your physical distancing so, so yeah that was there'll, there'll be big adjustments for, for builders obviously but good to see that people were back on site and getting some of this work going again so that was cool and hopefully that's magnified out across the country as well
0: yeah, the, the few builders and traders that I know certainly sound like they've been pretty keen to get out and actually get some, get doing some work as well. They're not the sort of people that like sitting around for too long doing not much, I'd suggest, so they'll be pretty keen to get back out there and, and get out there doing the work. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me, but really good to hear. Um, that will wrap us up for today. I do want to recognise, actually, I think early on we might have had a little bit of an internet issue. My internet looked like it was cutting out, so do apologise if there was a period there where you, you might have missed something. But otherwise, just want to say thanks, Calvin, as per usual. I know that this week you're hosting, your turn to host a podcast with a guest. So looking forward to hearing that one and not being involved in one um, this time around. So good good luck with that. We'll look forward to listening to that one. Otherwise, please subscribe, rate, review us on whichever podcast player you use. Helps us to get the podcast out there so more and more people can hear us. Everything we talk about is available on corelogic.co.nz. So head along there to the research tab. And as always, please get in touch. If you do have questions, anecdotes, thoughts, what are you seeing and hearing in the market, let us know. All our contact details are available in the notes within the podcast player. Cool, thank you very much and we will speak to you next week. Bye.